Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, the Washington Nationals are in. For the first time, their first World Series. They sweep the Cardinals. Look good doing it. Seven run first inning. They just they just battered the Cardinals in this series. The Cardinals could never get their footing. Never even led in the series. And how unusual is that? That is... I don't know how often that's happened in a playoff series, but that was just domination by the Nationals, who now wait for the winner of the Astros and the Yankees. Garrett Cole, another strong outing. 2-1 Astros now. They'll play game four uh, tonight. And as far as the Mariners, we're looking at you now, the only Major League Baseball team to never play in a World Series. The Seattle Mariners, 43 years and counting. They're an expansion team back in 1977. There have been new teams coming on board since then, the Diamondbacks, and they've made it, and the Rockies, and they've made it. And Toronto came in at the same time as Seattle, and they won a couple of them. So, yeah, there you go. We're looking at you, Seattle. Sorry about that. What are you going to do? All right. Let's talk some college football. Let's get right to it now. BYU getting ready for a game with Boise State. Ed Lamb, assistant head coach in charge of the special teams. Here he is meeting with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When you guys look at game film, from, from, especially from the run defense aspect of it, where do the corrections come like in practice? Where do you start talking to guys about this is what we need to do differently to try to get that slowed down? First corrections are on on Monday. Uh, coaches watch the video on uh, mostly Sunday or, or really early Monday morning so that we can have uh, a presentation, basically a curriculum, so that we can teach the players what went wrong. It's always a combination of uh, you know things that we wish we would have done differently as coaches strategically, things that we wish we would have coached differently technically, and then uh, and then of course the players are out there you know making plays or not making plays too within the system and so combination of those things we try to teach it up and then um, and then uh, Tuesday is the day where we come out that's today and and the new game plan for the new week and that it always requires some adjustments we try not to be a new defense each week but it requires some adjustments because each opponent's a little different. Well, yeah, I was going to say is is you might make be able to make some general corrections but week to week it's a totally different challenge from different teams. That's right. Yeah, the consistency, the common denominator with our struggle right now, run defense, is it, it, just been, been uh, too many yards, but it's not been the same play. You know, two two games ago is the quarterback that really hurt us. We we're actually pretty good on line of scrimmage run from the, from the tailback and uh, just failed in the quarterback running game. And then this last week, the power encounter, the pin pull schemes really, really got the best of us and didn't uh, coach it well enough and didn't play it well enough. So what, what adjustments this week with Boise State? I'm not specific adjustments, yeah. but it, you're not going to tell me those anyway. Yeah. But Boise State is a team that looks like they probably want to establish the run as well. They do, and they, they actually they present some unique challenges because they, they run both zone schemes and pull, pin-pull schemes, and they get big in their personnel, which has been a struggle for us. So it, it's really their strength against what's been our weakness, and I, I sometimes think that that's a, a, you know, a great challenge, eye-opening challenge for the boys, and I believe our guys can rise to the occasion. With their, with their situation with quarterback and who's going to start and that still being up in the air, how, how do you how do you prepare for that? Do you just prepare for both, or how does that oh, work? Oh, yeah. In this case, it's pretty easy because both of their, their quarterbacks are, are pretty similar. They're both really capable. They have good feet. They can move around in the pocket. They can even scramble, um, but they keep their eyes downfield. They throw the ball effectively. It's not as if they're preparing for one who might be a passer and then the other one more of a runner. They're, they're pretty similar in their game. And, and they actually have been rotating all year. I think they have a one and a two, but the rotation's been very liberal even when they're both healthy. Where would this team, how does this team look different or or, or are they different from the team you faced last year? 
Uh, of course, of course, differences every year. Just just new players, and and uh, in some cases, you know, new coaches, new techniques, and things like that. But I mean, overall, that what uh, Boise State for many years, if if you if you characterize them as a uh, run first, explosive throwing offense um, that always plays really solid on special teams and very aggressive on defense, a highly disciplined, winning football team, and uh, and their record over a number of years now shows that. And I think in that way, they're they're very similar to what they have been. When watching the film, what did you think of the special teams' performance against South Florida? I thought we completely failed in the special teams portion of the game. Where do you feel like, what areas do you feel like you mass, uh, match up best against Florida State? Well, I, I think... Uh, I, I think all over the field. I don't, I don't think that they have really weaknesses. I don't think that we have uh, weaknesses as far as personnel. And so other than what's already been stated, that we've struggled against the run and they're a very good run team. You know, I think everywhere else would match up fine. What parts of, of the defensive uh, effort do you want to see improve on Saturday to help stop that, that offense? We have to play. Uh, we have to play more physical at the point of attack. That's from a from a player perspective. That's what we have to challenge the boys to do, and, and I believe that they'll do that. From a coaching perspective, we have to have answers when, uh, when when we're not physical enough, when we're not stout enough at the point of attack. We have to make sure that we get more bodies at the expense of, um, you know, exposing the secondary or allowing the throw of the passing game to hurt us. But uh, when when the object is to stop the run, we have to be able to have enough answers to at least to do that. Coming back to special teams, what do you want to see improve this week for Boise State? I'd like to see our kick placement improve. I'd like to see us catch every punt, snap, and punt it. There's BYU's Ed Lamb. Now let's go to youth practice and head coach Kyle Whittingham as they get ready for Arizona State. You just talked about how you uh, recruited Jaden, but I heard you had a lot of interest in Benjamin. How well did you get to know him? What kind of insight did he provide you in the way he plays? Uh, got to know him fairly well, not as well as Jaden. Uh, he did take an official visit here, and, and uh, he was on our list uh, about two or three years ago. Uh, watched him in high school. Uh, extensively. I uh, didn't get to know him real well through the process. As I remember back, I think he made a decision, made a decision uh, semi-early in the, in the recruiting process, but I don't know if that plays into anything. I think you can see the same thing on tape when you're watching uh, if you didn't know him at all, so I don't think that's any, any sort of factor at all. How much did you study last year's game of you versus ASU compared with just their six games this year? Well, a lot. Uh, you know, we studied not, not just our game last year, but a lot of games from last year. Had the same coaching staff essentially, and, and a lot of the same players. There's carryover, and so you can learn from from last year's stuff as well. It's not as uh, critical as what you see this year, but it still helps to watch that. How much does early the possibility of early playing time factor in a kid's decision and which which school he chooses? I think it factors into uh, some of the kids uh, a lot. Every kid's different, but some of the kids are looking for. That, that's the number one priority is, is looking for early playing time. Other kids may be looking for something academically or uh, you know, geography or conference affiliation. So I think it's kid to kid, but I'd say that is one of the more common reasons why you know these high school kids choose the schools because they see opportunity early. Because obviously Daniels knew that position at quarterback was open, whereas you guys had a returning senior starter. That could add something to do with it. You, know, you never know. I never asked him that point blank, but that could have been a, a factor. So, so is there any theme to the way they've defended you the last two years pretty successfully? Uh, 
No, not really. I mean, last year was Coach Edwards' first year, right? I mean, yeah. So, so the year before, they really wouldn't. Can't, I can't remember that far back. I wish I could, <laughs> but I can't. And so, uh, I can tell you after this game, if there was a thing between last year and this year, that's as good as I do. Have you found that their offense is getting more open as the season is progressing, and this kid has got more experience? I think maybe a little bit, but still, they're a run-first team, and and uh, a lot of his passes are, are the short to intermediate range. There's not a, a ton of downfield work now. That could change in any, you know, any week. That could change. But the MO so far is, has been uh, run and, and uh, play action pass and, and some uh, you know, intermediate passing game more so than the, the deep shots. Plenty more of the star coverage with Jalen on IU. Can't say all that stuff. That's, <laughs> you, know, you never know. That's a possibility every single week of the season. It just depends on what uh, what we think is to our advantage. How does that compare to the top three receivers in USC uh, he's right in there. He's got, he's got a ton of ability. Uh, he's doing for him this year what uh, Harry. Harry did for him last year, Nikhil Harry. And so he's uh, he's the number one guy. He's got a bunch of balls. Uh, number 10 is a good, a good weapon as, as, as well for him. And uh, he's got uh, the second most ball. So between the two of them, they're definitely the two go-to guys. I think he's been a little on. It could be a special name for Zach Moss and a historic name for Utah football. Could be. Uh, <laughs> he's got... Uh, He's got some 55s at the number, so so uh, we'll see. You know, we're not focused on that. I know he's not focused on that. We're just focused on trying to you know, win the football game. But, you know, I believe that uh, you know, if he gets he'll get it at some point, barring injury. And so when it happens, uh, that would be great for him. We've got to just move right along. He said he wasn't 100% for the last one. Will he be 100% for this one? Or is we think so. Close enough. You know, I don't know anyone that's 100% at this point in the season. But uh, I think he's, he's going to be in better shape physically this week than he was last week. There is Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Gary Anderson, Utah State football coach, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Gary Anderson, Utah State football coach. Gary, good morning. Good morning, man. How are we doing? Good. Did you sleep in, get up, Good. and watch about 12 hours of football, or, you know, you put in family time? How did <laughs> you, how'd you well, handle by Saturday? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little recruiting, a little bit of that. A uh, little family time. Hung out with the grandkids a little bit, so uh, watched a bunch of football. So did some yard work. Actually got some things moved around the house a little bit, so it was good times. How do you like having two buys in a season? Because obviously that's unusual. I don't like it. I wish it was one. So yeah, me too. I'm really good. I'm really good with one, and it's just you know, it's. I'm always. I've said this to you guys a thousand times. And I'll probably say it a thousand more times. Is I'm just. I'm not in favor of a longer season for these kids. Period. I'm not in favor of more games. I'm not in favor of two buys. I'm not. I'm just. Let's. Let's. Uh, Twelve games is plenty, and uh, potentially a championship game, and then a bowl game, and whatever comes out of those things is awesome. But uh, twelve regular seasons is enough. It's thirteen now with the bye, and all of a sudden it's fourteen. It's just academically, and for these kids to be able to do what they need to do, I, I would rather have one. So the 
I guess a lot of people would be assuming, well, the downtime in the middle of the season enables them to get healthy, and actually there is a little time for academics or to have a Friday night off and not be in the hotel with the team. Do you actually worry about that? Would you rather, just rather have them in the routine? Um, like I said, if you, I, did, I think everybody would say, hey, let's have a bye right in the middle of the season. That doesn't work out when you have one bye. It doesn't work out sometimes when you have two byes. Uh, but for myself, it's just I like them in the flow of things. I like them to keep going and let's keep grinding and let's keep fighting. And, um, you know, ideally if it was my, hey, you're going to make the schedules and here you go, uh, Gary Anderson, what do you want? I would say no buys. I would say let's play 12, 12 weeks straight and, and uh, go play and keep the kids in the mojo and keep them moving. There's just a lot of change of pace that takes place during buys. Some of that can be very positive, um, but I just as well keep them in a keep them in a in a good spot and keep them grinding and moving through it. Sometimes even with one buy, you play two games and you have a buy. Um, so it it is what it is. I understand that, but uh, you guys asked me, so I yeah. gave you my opinion. <laughs> you know, you look at that Nevada team, who obviously is your next opponent, and against San Jose, and San Jose is not bad this year. They're at least it appears to me they're a little bit better than they have been. So you look at Nevada, and they've got a quarterback who throws for over 350. they got a running back who runs for over 100. they got a receiver who catches over 100 yards of receiving. It looks like offensively, these guys are pretty good. Yeah, they really are. And they, uh, you know, they started the, the other quarterback this last game, and they've uh, won some big games with the, with the other guys playing also. So they're efficient. They're a pistol offense, which is a little bit of a, a departure from the true read zone stuff. It's more downhill in the run game. Um, receivers made some big plays. They got off to a great start in the uh, in the San Jose State game and, and made some big plays on offense and defense. And uh, so, it, you know, we'll have a work cut out for them. You look at the schedule, who they beat, how they played. They've played well. They've had, you know, some scenarios where it uh, hasn't gone their way. A lot of teams have had those scenarios at this point. But I think they're a tough-minded team. They play well. They bounced back last week and, you know, played very well and then won a tightly contested game. So, we will have our work cut out for us. They're gifted at the wide receiver position. Uh, the running backs, we, we're very familiar with that young man. He's a very, very talented player, um, in our opinion. And uh, the quarterback came in, the JC guy came in, and he did a nice job in his, in his first start. So, you know, defensively, they're they're physical up front. They play the odd front. I think that their uh, their defensive tackles are very good players, and the inside linebackers are they fly to the football. So, it'll be a great test. There's no doubt about it. Which everyone we got left, these next seven are all going to be great tests for us on this team to see how we handle each week and then see how we handle them as a whole. So you said they were tough-minded, and it seems to me that that's one thing that coaches are supposed to say about teams. Uh, You can't really get in trouble for saying it. It doesn't give away much of the game plan. It's a good thing to say. I guess that's why so many coaches say it. But I think Mm -hmm. it's actually true about Nevada. I'm looking at their scores here, and they've won three close games. Uh, they beat Purdue by a field goal, they beat San Jose by a field goal, and Weber State game a game, and that was a six-pointer. But they have gotten their doors blown off twice in Oregon, 77-6, to and then Hawaii came into Reno and won 54-3, and yet they bounced back from that and win a close game. That You've followed college football probably longer and closer than I have, but that seems really unusual to get blown out that badly and yet be able to still have a winning record and to bounce back and win close games. No doubt. I, I completely agree with that. And you look how they came back in the uh, 
you know, you look at the Purdue game, and that game was eight minutes left. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I watched that, but they were down and had to make some great things happen, and they did to be able to come back and, and get that victory. So they've done it in and out. They've been on both sides of it, and like uh, like you just said, they they have bounced back and they found a way to recover um, if they had a bad week, and they found a way to you know consistently come back and, and play good football back to back weeks in some situations. So they they're battlers, um, and their coaches are tough guys. You know, we we know a bunch of the coaches on that staff, and they they work hard. They take care of their business and you know they demand I'm sure the kids practice and play hard and they know what league they're in and so you uh you're correct in um your evaluation in my opinion we're at the midway point of the season now and so a lot of teams we've seen they have good things they had bad things about their team I wanted to address deficiencies and just generally speaking not specifically to your ball club but if you have a deficiency in whether it's defensive line or whatever it might be, you know, obviously you can go out and you can recruit to make that better going into the next year. But what can you do during the actual season to make whatever deficiency and whatever unit you have better now? Great question. In fact, just brought out of the staff meeting. That's why it was a couple minutes late that we were just discussing that and how do we get in a position. And we use that our bye week to be able to work some kids in some spots to give them some opportunities. But you come back after the weekend and uh, you realize that you may get some kids back, you may not get some kids back, so you look to adjust. And um, it's potential position moves. Uh, That's the first thing with youthful players, put them in a spot that it may not be the position that they're going to play their uh, rest of their career. Uh, As far as we know right now, now as coaches, but it is a position where they can help us this year. We have that we have that situation at safety, um, and so we'll be doing that. We'll look around and we'll see exactly how it is and where we need to go with a couple of young men to let them uh, position themselves to be in the, the depth at the safety position. Um, you know, feel the the exact same way. Move some some linebackers around a little bit to get those inside linebackers there. So that's the first way. The second way is to simply identify and look at yourself as coaches and make sure that you're asking. Uh, the kids to be able to do things that they can do physically and that they can do mentally. And quite frankly, it fits your personality um, and your personnel, your football team. And those are the two things we talked about this morning that are important for us to be able to, you know, establish some consistency at certain positions and also be preventative if we unfortunately suffer an injury at a spot to where, um, you know, we, we, we need to be prepared to handle those injuries if they do come our way um, to the best of our knowledge, I guess, for the coaching staff and for the players and everybody involved to get the best kids out there if something happens. You know, with the bye week, you got a little extra time to gear up, and I'm, I'm curious how much you've had a chance to talk to Jay Hill and the Weber staff because it seems like their game with Nevada was unusual. 1913 is really low scoring. I mean, Nevada's playing 34-31, 41-38 games. What happened in that game to keep it low scoring? And how much of it can you replicate? Well, I think, you know, we have – I, I talked to Jay quite a bit, obviously, and uh, um, always have and, and always will. I think, number one, Weber has – they have a heck of a defense now. They have, they're stout up front. They play hard. Their inside linebackers are really good players. And, you know, they've done, they've done some good things. And, um, you know, they stopped the run. Uh, they kept the quarterback a little bit off pace. We're facing a different quarterback now that, um, than they were playing then. Um, 
I think the game plan will not change overall. They're still going to be like we talked about the pistol team. But, you know, so that communication is always good to talk with coaches uh, when you have that opportunity. And, you know, I think we learned a lot at the LSU game with communicating with, uh, with Aranda and with Bush and with Corey and their offense and defensive coaches on the LSU side. Obviously, we don't face each other again. So then you can really open up and say, hey, what did you like? And we, I think it helped them and I think it helped us as we communicate. So that's, uh, I think if you're not doing that, uh, you're doing a disservice to your program and to your kids if you're not reaching out to coaches that you trust that uh, can help you with the opponent or, quite frankly, can help you with uh, yourself after you've played them. I've always been fascinated, no matter the sport, when a coach gets into a program, how he goes about building that program. And you've obviously built programs. You built Utah State the first time around. And when you do that, is there a specific area you look to strengthen first on a football team or you try to go across the board? Oh, I think one of our biggest things, and Jesus, like you were in our staff meeting this morning. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive. So, um, you know, the, the overall for us is the toughness factor. And when you say that, again, that can be coach talk very, very uh, clearly. It can be. But for us, we really want to make sure when we recruit, we're trying to recruit a young man that we think has the toughness and the ability to be able to, um, you know, handle our program from an academic standpoint, handle Cash Valley uh, for exactly what it is, which we think is greatness, um, a great place to go to college and all that's involved, but it's not for everybody. And then on the football side of things, you got to be able to handle it. So I think that's important. Um, stamp on your program through the weight room training room all the way through the other thing is just you know positionally you always want to do your best to uh you know the difference makers are are so important i think as we recruit now quite frankly we have a better chance to find difference makers throughout the year whether that be today somebody commits whether that be the early signing day somebody signs that be the second signing day somebody signs or after the signing day with a young man that 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 has a story or a transfer or whatever i think we can find those skill players throughout the year we need to make sure we build our line of scrimmages through um the young kids and quality jc players as much as we can that's not as easy um for us to recruit those kids all year round they're more the second signing period the first signing period um, and recruiting those kids now to stabilize our front and make sure we do a great job in state with those uh, you know light of scrimmage players and, and developing those guys because we do pride ourselves on being a developmental program so that's, I would say those are two important things for us establishing who we are how many high schools did your coaching staff visit on a on the bye week Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. A bunch and a bunch of junior colleges. We hit the junior colleges pretty hard. And what's great for us is we, you know, recruiting staff gets us to the point to where we have evaluated them. We know who they are. We've talked to them on the phone. We've communicated with them. We've seen their film. But we are so selective this year with our low numbers of young men that we can actually bring into our program. Um, you know, we're looking for difference makers, and if we're going to offer them, we deem them as really as a difference maker this year uh, with this class. And that's whether they're a mission kid, that's whether they're a JC kid or a high school kid. Uh, so seeing them in person is so, so important. It's always a big part of the process. Um, but seeing play a game live is so important. And there's some young men today that we watched that, you know, there was discussion, yes, he fits us. He's the competitive edge we want. There's some kids that, no, he doesn't. He's too underdeveloped for this year's class. He's not in a position to be a difference maker for us, depending on the position that he's playing. So um, number of high schools, number of junior colleges, and it was great to, you know, get out in state and be able to see some young men and evaluate them too, So which is always a, a priority. So it was a good weekend as far as that goes. 
Well, Gary, we appreciate a few minutes. You can go back to your staff meeting and share some more PK's brilliant thoughts. And you know, yeah, probably yeah, I'm gonna bring him up next week. PK, get up here six. I'll get you six thirty. We'll hang out, have a donut, <laughs> and then uh, seven o'clock staff meeting starts. You good? Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you need. Okay. Okay. No, no seriously, right. we'll do the show without him. If he gets to be inside your program one morning, he can come back with all kinds of knowledge. We'll do it. That would be. I mean, yeah, it'd be. Yeah, it's we'll, hard we'll, to get through a day without him, but we can do it. A week is too much. We'll, we'll, we'll do gain it from his knowledge. You yeah. know that. All right. Yes. Thank- hey, guys. Hey, have Thanks, a wonderful Gary. week. Okay. Go Aggies. There's Utah State football coach Gary Anderson. 22-point favorites over the Nevada Wolfpack. Nevada's 4-2, and two, although when they lose, they lose big. 54-3, to 77-6. But they win the close ones, so there you go. Uh, Aggies at home this week against Nevada. All right, when we come back, we're talking Pac-12 football. We're talking Oakland Raider and NFL football with Raider analyst and Pac-12 analyst Lincoln Kennedy. That's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join Anz and Scotty Friday from noon to 3. Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio discussing FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, surgery, or needles. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks. It's time to talk a little Pac-12 football and Utah football. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, Oakland Raider analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing well. We are gearing up for a big game here. Arizona State and Utah. A couple of 5-1 and teams. Do you feel like you really know either one of these teams, or do you feel like this game's going to be revealing? Or do you feel like you got a pretty good handle on it? No, no, this game is definitely going to be revealing. And it's funny that you mentioned it because I was just having a discussion the other day. It was like, what do you really, you know, someone had asked me, you know, living in Phoenix, well, what do you see out of, uh, out of Herm Edwards' team? And I say, well, first of all, you know they're well coached because they've got enough NFL experience and coaching experience to, to be, you know, challenging to rival any NFL team. They're well coached and they're, and they're pretty disciplined for a fairly young team. And of course, when you talk about the quarterback play, uh, that's one that comes into view most often. Um, but, but you still don't know what you have team wise because I don't really know how much you put into the whole, um, you know, Michigan State game and, and stuff like that. But, um, there are, there are a number of things that you're looking at for this team to really step up. I think for both teams, Utah and A-State, this game will be extremely revealing. Line is 13 and a half, and recognizing that Herm Edwards has played 12 conference games since he's been at Arizona State, and not one of them has he lost by more than seven. To see it at 13 and a half is really a compliment for Utah, I believe. But I also think that, or at least from my perspective, I was surprised it was that high. 
So was I, especially based on the history between these two teams. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, Arizona State has what has controlled the, the overall record, uh, especially since Utah's been in the conference. So um, I was I was surprised as at all. But you know what, Utah is also playing very well. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of balance. You know how good their defense is. I think their defense, the last check, was ranked in like 45th or 47th in the country, which is really good. Um, but they're really good against the run, and more importantly, they do a number of things to sort of create a little confusion, especially for young quarterbacks. So given that, how much do you expect Arizona State's young quarterback to struggle, and how much has he solved problems, including the Michigan State game, when it couldn't do anything the whole game, and then he marched them down the field, and they get the touchdown at the end and win the game? Yeah, well, that was the thing. They were able to put a, a drive together. And I think from when you watch Arizona State after that game, um, you know, they had to hiccup against Colorado, obviously. But the things that they were able to put together, especially against Wazoo, to keep up with that offense and defense do enough to, to be able to win the game, you see that they're slowly coming together. That's why this game for both teams is going to be revealing. Because I really, if, if Utah is able to come out and dominate, Another five and one team, regardless of what we think or what we don't know about a state, if they're able to dominate that game, they're going to show a little favor in the polls, and people are going to respect them a little bit more, which is good for the conference. Um, but more importantly, it's going to be a great statement for Utah football because we've seen in the past around this time they sort of fall apart and not able to complete the the, the journey. Um, uh, this is a very competitive conference. People have been knocking off each other one one by one across the board. If Utah is able to remain the course, have be very good for the conference, not only for the school as well. Yeah, Will, I agree totally, Lincoln, because you look at these next three games. They got the Devils, then next week they're home to Cal, then mm-hmm. they go to Seattle, then it gets real soft with the other three teams left in the South to close out the season. So you can easily see, that's a big if in the next three weeks, that they go 3-0, and but then it's a smaller if if they go 3-0 and to see them actually then finish the rest of the season 6-0, and which puts them at 11-1. and So these right. three games that we have coming up these next successive weeks will really show what these guys are. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and it's a, it's a great course because you look at what Utah is able to accomplish already, and I think they got a tremendous amount of momentum following them. I mean, Oregon State was Oregon State, but the Wazoo win was was really big, especially on the heels of the SC loss. So I'm I'm looking forward to these next couple of weeks. But this is a big statement game. If they're able to take care of business against a rival who's kind of had their number over the last couple of years, then I think this will be really good for them. So this is kind of an awkward question for you because you're on the Pac-12 networks, but the Pac-12 networks just isn't that widely seen, and the conference has got two ranked teams going against each other. There's only three games this week that match ranked teams. You were talking about the youth getting more respect if they win it, but isn't the fact that this isn't available across the country going to be a problem for them? Well, I think it was. I mean, I think I I had the bye this week because the Raiders had played London the week before, and I think the only – Pac-12. I mean, only Pac-12 opponent I saw on TV um, was um, SC and Notre Dame on my TV screen, and I've got I've got um, I've got Direct TV, and there might have been another game one I, I might have missed, but it, I, I was disappointed. Um, that I couldn't see other until you know late at night. Then I saw Washington, Arizona being in the area, but I mean that was it. It really is disheartening that the the things are going the way they are. And I I know it's a little bit of an awkward position, so I can't be too critical of the of the Pac-12. But it's disappointing when you turn on the TV and you see all the other big names playing, but yet you have a trouble finding ones that that's close to your heart, especially in the West. 
Yeah, amen, Lincoln. I agree. Growing up in Arizona, I couldn't agree more. But nevertheless, I'll be at the game, so I'll be able to see it. <laughs> so, but I know you will. <laughs> just thinking about the folks around the country because it's a premier game. And obviously Great. ABC picks up Oregon and Washington. And watching Oregon on Friday night just absolutely dismantle Colorado. I mean, just yeah. just send them to the woodshed. To me, I'm starting to really buy into Colorado, uh, Oregon now. No, no doubt. Well, of course, when you got a quarterback, you have a chance. So that's what we were talking about early in the year. Two premier teams out of this conference, if they're on a collision course for the championship, it's going to make waves. So these are big wins. Um, obviously, if, if uh, Utah is able to take care of business up until that point, and say if Oregon is able to take care of business up to that point, this will be great for the conference. So I'm curious, uh, you're a Washington Husky, yet mm-hmm. you watch Oregon and see how good they are. You know Washington's going to be desperate. If they win this game, they're a game back and they got the tiebreaker. Maybe they could get some help the rest of the year and they could win the division. If Oregon wins this, it feels to Pecan I like it's over. They're two games up on everybody, three up on somebody. They're going to have multiple tiebreakers already on their side in the north. I mean, it's done, isn't it? So what are the odds Washington keeps the race going? Well, we've seen in times of the past, you know, funnier things have happened. Um, and still, Washington is inconsistent with the balance that they have on offense. And it's something that's a little bit concerning to me because when you take on a team like Oregon, you really have to have all cylinders click. We've seen flashes. I've seen flashes of Washington, you know, with the run game. Uh, but the inconsistency at receiver play is really something uh, somewhat limited me. And as well, I mean, uh, made me a little bit more optimistic, not lace optimistic is the words I'm trying to say, uh, about Washington's chances of moving on. But they're going to get, get to get a big Oregon team, and this is a big rivalry, as you guys have already know. So they'll – I've seen Washington stand up to the challenge, and I've also seen them wet themselves, most notably in the bowl games over the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think Oregon has, because they have the balance and they have the momentum, um, I know Washington won last week against Arizona, but they have the momentum following them. I think Oregon's going to be a very tough opponent for Washington to sort of select. Yeah, Oregon has a ton of experience, you know, all across that offensive line. Obviously, Herbert, they really are a bunch of upperclassmen, so they should be doing that. My thought for you, you look at a team like, and even Utah has a lot of seniors, you look at a team like ASU and Washington, which very well, both those teams could finish second in their divisions this year, which isn't bad, because Mm -hmm. most of the team, most of the lineup that they're running out, they're underclassmen or certainly not seniors. At what point, though, can you get beyond, well, he's a young player? Because we're halfway through the season are we there or do you still need more time right at this point right at this point that's when you 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 stop making excuses for um the younger players or you know expecting more of the 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 players the the reason why we mentioned earlier that the game saved between arizona state and utah is revealing because we've also seen in the past how utah has had trouble latter part of the year well this is a statement game it's a, it's, a, it's a time when your guys, whether they've been there for a while, your senior leadership is supposed to take over and you're supposed to find a way to rally to win these games. This is around the time where it, come, it becomes evident. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network and Oakland Raiders analyst, joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, at some point, there's a team that catches fire midseason and just takes off, and it's not always a team with a great record. Is there right. anybody right now who's kind of got a mediocre record who you think they ought to look out, everyone in the conference ought to look out for because they're about to catch fire? Uh there's, I mean, again, we'll, we'll find out so much about this conference as a whole this weekend with the matchups. Um, 
I, I think people, you know, for example, I think people are starting to talk about Washington State because, you know, after, you know, Leach's comments, how are they going to respond? And you saw the, the way they're playing. Well, now they're 0-3 in the conference. And that's surprising for a lot of people, including myself, because I think that Washington, you know, Wazoo was not going, I didn't think they were going to win the division, but I thought they were more capable, uh, especially in the division. So there are teams where you, you sit there and say, wow, I didn't see that one happening. Um, I didn't see the early success of Cal, but, you know, they still know they had problems on offense, so they were going to struggle, but it, I thought the defense was going to carry them a couple games, and it did. But, you know, have a 4-2 and two record at this point was, was surprising, in my opinion. I didn't think I, I saw that coming. Um, Arizona State is definitely a surprise. Uh, I thought with the youth, even though their defense, especially their secondary being their strength, I thought with the youth as on offense, they were going to struggle more than they did. And I'm really impressed with the fact that they've had, you know, some senior leadership or some uh, veteran leadership. A lot of guys like Eno you know, Benjamin and stuff like that really step forward and help them, you know, propel themselves. Um, USC is always dangerous because they've got the, they've got the playmakers inconsistent quarterback play and really after watching that Notre Dame game I mean I'd only really recognize the USC team that I'm seeing this year with this pass happy offense because I think they have the talent and running back where they should be able to run the ball better than they do um, but you know they're, they're very pass happy so there's a lot of questions that will be answered for me this weekend I don't see anybody really separating themselves because if Oregon is as good as they are, they're going to continue going. If Utah is as good as they really are, they're going to continue going. Um, but they have some definite chances, uh, definite big uh, steps to overcome both those teams that we talked about. So the Devils beat Washington State on that last drive, and afterward, Herm Edwards in the locker room, I saw it on Twitter, they put it out there, saying, hey, guys, you're going to give me a heart attack, you know, because all these games <laughs> they play, every one of them is right down to the end. It's, it's yeah. Are they going to make a play at the end or not? And if they do, they win the game. If they don't, they don't. I mean, that's you look at their season this year, they didn't, they didn't make a play against Colorado, they lose. They make the yeah. play against Cal and Michigan State and Washington State, they win. So right. where I wanted to go with this from you, from the former player perspective, that you have is when you look at Herm at any point on the sideline, he is totally under control. Like, hey, guys, I got this. We're good. Let's keep playing. You contrast that to his predecessor, Todd Graham, and he looked like he was going to blow up. <laughs> then you go uh, 100 miles to the south when Rich Rod was down there, and right. it was an earthquake of measuring yeah. about 9-0. Right. How much does that affect the players, the demeanor of the coach doing what Herm does versus what we saw in the two coaches down there in the desert before who looked like they were ready to go nuts the second something went wrong? The true testament of a good coach is if he's able to instill his personality on his team as a whole. That's the way it is. A team is supposed to take on a coach's personality. If it's calm and collective and we're going to see this thing through and, and you know, uh, times of tribulation, then, then that's what's going to happen. If you had, hit the panic or you hit, you know, you, you, you hit a, um, uh, sort of a, a, just an attack of tirade, then you're going to panic in, in, in game time situations and you're probably not going to, you're not probably not going to succeed more than you fail because, you know, you, you're not th- totally thinking through. So I think the personality of the coaches you're referring to is sort of overcoming their, uh, taking over their team. But it also has to transcend to the quarterback because the quarterback is the most important person out there, right? Um, whether it's you know generating that last drive or making those those conscious decisions, you know we saw Khalil Tate in the Arizona game against Washington feel pressure and start to struggle when he when he felt the you know stress of coming from mind. Things started to fall apart in front of him. You know, con- conversely, when you watch A State, they were able to march down the field and get that final drive against Wazoo. That's also the the quarterback sort of taking on the personality of the coach. So I think it has to be transparent. Um, if the coach's personality comes across the team, they'll play that way in the way the coach is. 
Couldn't agree more. And I think the calm coaches win way more than the hyperkinetic totally coaches. Totally agree. Yeah. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, and Oakland Raider analysts joining us. Uh, so that said, is uh, are the Raiders about to catch fire? John Gruden, his demeanor on the sideline, tough, the steely eyes. Well, <laughs> Kansas City you know, just funny. looking a little vulnerable. They have a camera committed to him every single oh, game. Yeah. And I tell John, you know, they're watching you, right? And he knows it. He knows that there are times he plays up to it. Because he's really, in real life, he's not like that. But there are things, times where he's actually showing out for the camera, and, and, and he loves it. Uh, that's things that he, he's definitely big for. But, look, the Raiders have got their issues, uh, own issues. I mean, the last game against the Bears, yeah, they, they were – the receiving core was completely decimated and depleted. Um, and now it's a chance with the two weeks to get everybody healthy. So we'll see if, if they're able to make a run. But going to Green Bay is not easy. So I'm actually glad that Green Bay won that game last night because they don't lose back-to-back games at Lambeau very often. So um, if the Raiders have a chance now, maybe Green Bay is look, overlooking them possibly. Who knows? Um, and then uh, then going to Houston. So we still got to finish out this long road trip. And the teeth of the schedule is just heating up for the for these guys. So they say that penalties are up in the NFL by two, yeah. and then we saw in the Green Bay-Detroit game two very controversial calls. calls. Uh, emphasis? So what's going on as to why these things are happening? There is an emphasis um, to, 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 to officiate the game, but the problem comes into now is that you know, with all the speculation and, and conjecture about the, the pass interference rule and the, the replay and how it's going to slow the game down, um, it's becoming blatantly obvious that the, the people and, and, of course, the coaches and team just want you to get it right. And I think what you said with the Monday night game, especially with the illegal hands to the face, is that if you could be seen from camera that his hand was, you know, Trey Flowers' hand was not in the face of the face mask of the offensive tackle, then why can't it be seen by the umpire who's standing right there? And more importantly, when is instant replay, I guess, going to come into view? Because that's going to be the, 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 the conversation that, that's going to generate this week. When is instant replay come into view for almost every penalty thrown to see whether or not it's, it, it is? There's going to be more and more outcry for the rest to get it right. And as a fan, that's all I want. Just get it right. Uh, it, whether it's pass interference or not, whether it's you know holding or not, just get it right. Don't get it so blatantly wrong when it's a, uh, an obvious uh, you know situation where uh, it can change the outcome of the game. Don't get it so wrong not once but twice and think that we you can justify it or we can defend you on the other end. As a guy who's blamed a lot of referees for a lot of losses by a lot of San Diego teams specifically. <laughs> I can tell you the first time I got a pass working at a station in Sacramento and I was on the field for an NFL game, uh-huh. and I'd been on the field for college games, I was blown away by how fast the big sloppy guys were. Not the sleek, but the big sloppy guys in the middle were unbelievably fast. So in a call, actually, even though these calls were wrong, you know, they slow-mo them and they put a circle on them and they blow it up right. so you can see it. Well, the refs right. don't get that. And if you're right. down on the field for an NFL game, I'm telling you, defensive tackles, you can look, oh, the 300-pounders, and he eats three steaks, and, and the guy is unbelievably fast. So a little bit of um, forgiveness for the refs because that is actually a hard job. Yeah, but you know what? It, it goes even further than that. I mean, I take it back to the uh, – what was it? The, when the when – the, 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 let me slow down. The Detroit Lions uh, safety and the uh, Green Bay Packer receiver were both going for the ball, but the hit was so – it looked so much – because the receiver was down for a while, mm-hmm. they called it unnecessary roughness, hitting a defenseless receiver. And, of course, when you slow it down, you see them both going for the ball. So, according to the rule, they both have the opportunity. They yep. both should be entitled yep. to the ball. How is this unnecessary roughness? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. And, I'm totally with you. 
I thought they were just both trying to – one guy was trying to catch the pass, the other was trying to intercept yep. it. And yep. they just happened to arrive at the same space at the same instant, and it was helmet to and, helmet. And that's where, you know, I think they're over-policing the game. Yeah. And I think that's what also has added to the number of penalties that has been called. Yeah. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, guys, have a good one. Appreciate it. There's Pac-12 analyst and Oakland Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy. Love having him on each and every week. All right, stay with us. What is trending? Coming up next, Jazz are playing tonight. we got one of the two World Series teams set. We'll get to all of that. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.